Uh, you're, here, I'll fix your shovel. There, Thanks, your man. shovel's working now. Oh, thank you very much. My Ooh. shovel's fixed. Now I can dig deep. <laughs> Excellent, man. I, deep. Yeah, I thought I'd have to get like one of those pickaxes, but okay. No, no, it's deep, man. The shovel's fine. Deep. It's deep. You know? I know. Are we on air? Yeah. Good. WKCRFM New York. Beautiful. This is Jazz Alternatives. My name is Mitch Goldman. Stephen Bernstein. Stephen Bernstein here in the studio. I was going to give you the big up, man. I was going to yeah. give you the big. I mean, whatever, dude. <laughs> uh, it's uh, here's what we're going to do tonight. Let's do it. We're doing deep focus. You're here. Uh, you got a bunch of cool stuff you're doing, which we're going to talk about later, a little later. Later. But um, in the meantime, you and I love love music. Talking about music, listening, listening to, music. to music. Yeah. And we love a lot of the same music. Some of it. Some we don't love the same. Yeah, true. But that's okay. That's okay. We love not loving it together. Yes. And uh, But this guy. We love. We love. We love this guy. Who we do, what are we doing? What do we got? Roswell. Roswell Rudd. Yeah. Yes. Who, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I bought Liberation Orchestra record. I heard that sound on We Shall Overcome, and I just said to myself, this is the greatest thing, this is the greatest sound I've ever heard in my life. Like the way, like the way AM radio sounded to some kids, like a whole afternoon of radio of AM radio. Like if you combine like Elton John and Chicago and Led Zeppelin, and you mixed it all up in a bag, it could not have sounded as good to to them as yes. Roswell sounded to me. Yeah, it just sounded like the greatest thing I ever heard in my life. Yes, and uh, and then we became great friends, and 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 musical musical friends and personal friends, which is incredible. That's, I, I, there didn't seem like there was a big distinction for Roswell no, between true. those two things. Yeah, exactly. It was love. Yeah, he just loved music. And I kept, we'll get, I'm going to jump too deep into this whole talking about Roswell right now. but Which we will. We will. But like to the very end, man, this, I, I, he just kept giving the musical lessons. He, I just said he was like the gift giver. Like, you know, the last time I saw him, he was still giving gifts. And he was gone, like, just a week and a half later, a week later. He was already laying in bed. But he's still just, like, giving the gifts. Just boom. What do we got? We got something nice? We find something yeah, in the archives? Yeah, you, 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 not we. You found uh, the Steve Lacey Roswell Road Band from the Empty Bottle in Chicago, one of the great, great clubs in Chicago, March 29, 2000. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, I can't. My French isn't bad. Is bad. So you 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 pronounce Jean Jacques. Jean Jacques Avenard. Okay. <laughs> Bass and Jean Bitch. <laughs> drums because John John's been living in Paris for yeah. thirty five years. And when I first moved to town, one of my first gigs was Sahib Sarbib's band. Wow. Sometimes 
John Betch would be on drums. And he was the guy who used to say, I, oh, I live on whatever he lived on. I think he lived on Ninth. He'd go, between crime and death. <laughs> and between C and D, that's what he used to call it. He said, yeah, I live there between crime and death. And the great John Betch, and he moved to Paris a long time ago, right? Yeah, but he, he used to be, he was around. He'd be on all lots kind, of gigs. All yeah, kind all of gigs. One of, the great, one of the greats and a very cool guy. All, I didn't really know Jean-Jacques, but Steve Lacey and, you know, also yeah, he was amazing, great person to get little gifts from. There it is. Okay. It's Deep Focus. Stephen Bernstein in the studio. Steve Lacey. Steve Lacey, Roswell Rudd, Jean-Jacques Avenal, and Jean John Betch. Jean Betch, Chicago. Chicago, the empty bottle. You well, and I, yeah, we, we, we yeah, Chicago. The story about the ribs. <laughs> yeah, Al, Alvin Queen did not like those ribs you brought him, Mitch Goldman. You know, look, Al, man. No, Alvin Queen spit on those ribs. <laughs> Mitch uh, Goldman, we'll tell the story later. Our parent dug them. <laughs> that guy can eat, man. He likes some good food. All uh, right, there it is. March 29th, 2000. Bottle. March 29th. Here we go. Get in the WKZR helicopter. We're going.
They let you know in Chicago. They don't hold back like us New Yorkers. They're they're more enthusiastic. You're at the Empty Bottle. Yes, in Chicago, 2000. Yes, and you're also with Roswell Rudd, Steve Lacey, Jean Betch, and Jean Jacques Avenel. Jean Jacques Avenel uh, and Mitch Goldman, and your spirit animal, Stephen Bernstein. Woof woof. <laughs> and we are guiding you through. We're we're uh, we're focusing. We're on, on Roswell. We're focused, deep focus on Roswell Rudd, and here we find him in company with his great uh, fellow frontman leader. With um, these guys, share a lot. Oh yeah, him and Steve have been playing together since. Uh, I, I wish to look up on the old Wikipedia. We'd sound so smart right now. Yeah, but we don't. Um, <laughs> but I would say it's probably the late fifties. You know, when they were doing Dixieland gigs together. You know, I think they met like pretty early on. And, uh, you know, they got into the Monk thing, and this music is influenced by Monk. Well, there'll probably be some Monk in this set, but, um, yeah, two amazing musicians that... Uh, we were talking about this, like, they both had an interesting thing with harmony. With Steve, it's really immediate because his intervallic system is so unique, and we was, I was saying, like, oh, he plays in this real swing rhythm, but, you know, the notes, and if you've ever seen the book he wrote, uh, a lot about intervals, about studying intervals as a way to like create your own patterns. And Roswell, interestingly, I, the longer, more time I spent with him, the more I realized he was really a super, like a like he called himself a stone cold Pythagorean. He was a real traditional harmony player. The way he moves the harmony is much more typical than Steve with the intervals. But his sound is so round and wild and on either side that it's not, at least it wasn't to me so immediately obvious that it's actually this heavy harmonic thing because you just hear this sound that just like pulls you. But yeah, man, a lot of harmony going on for two horn players. What, do you, what are the lessons or, or patterns and thinking that emerge from really immersing yourself in that Dixieland music and that? Well, it's a very specific set of chord changes. It's a very specific set of ways to move towards notes of chord changes. Um, and it's really specific roles for each instrument. So the trumpet generally plays the melody. The, the clarinet or the soprano plays like the counter melody and our arpeggi arpeggiated part, you know. Well, I mean, they... The, really, the trombone plays the counter melody, and the trombone is moving the counter melodies, and then the, the soprano player or the clarinet player is moving arpeggios, creating their own motion. And um, like Roswell, when we would hang out, we'd, we'd play a tune, like strum with some barbecue, and I would play the melody, and he'd play the counter melody, and then he'd play the melody, and I never played the counter melody. <laughs> so I had to learn how to play the counter melody, which was a great lesson for me because, you know, then you're learning to play towards the other note of the chord. I mean, for those of you who are musicians or aren't musicians, you know, these are dominant seven chords, there's four notes of the chord, so you're gonna to move to one of those four notes. Now, in general, the bass is gonna be playing the root of the note. Now, the melody is gonna be on either on that root or another note, and out of four notes, that leaves two more to get to to fill this chord out. So the secret with the trombone is you gotta know what note am I gonna to go to that isn't being covered yet that's gonna show us what the harmony is of this song. And um, 
Steve, I think, and Roswell did a lot of trading back and forth, so they both knew both sides. Either They both knew how to play the melody and the counter-melody, and I think that gave their way of playing a very specific, special... Yeah, it's a very special sound, the two of those guys. Steve Lacey, soprano saxophone, Roswell Rudd, trombone. Yep. Very parallel kind of musical lives, yep. roughly contemporaries. Roswell passed away just recently in December at the age of 82. But he had emerged as a kind of throwback um, as a young man in the 50s. Well, uh, let's be clear. Right. He wasn't a throwback. No, there was a big Dixieland uh, kind of... Um, fad going on in colleges and like my dad was about this you know about the same age as Roswell he was really into that too I mean people in colleges among you know Caucasian college kids white kids whatever you want to call them these days I don't know everyone changes names when I was a kid we called them Caucasians now I gotta call them white <laughs> am I allowed to say this on the radio no we're gonna get kicked off now. <laughs> Jesus anyway there was a big deal people were really into it so Roswell was in this band and um, at Yale, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Princeton, no, Yale. Yeah. Eli's Yale. chosen six. Yeah. And then Although so, Princeton was had a had their hot own. bed of this kind of music. Yeah. Too. And then so all these kind of Ivy League scenes, and then the whole scene at at uh, what was that place called in New York at the time? The big place in the fifty in the East Fifties called the Come on, Phil Shap, where are you, oh. dude? The uh, the Sun had a real fancy name, but it was just like a place where they played Dixieland and, and white kids got drunk. Well, there were uh, there was Toot Shore, there was uh, no Jimmy Ryan. No, no, was... not not on Fifty Second Street. It was in a different place, but it had a name. It sounded like it was really fancy. They made a lot of like live Red Allen records there and things like that. Uh, anyway, it's where those guys all played. Um, yeah, and um, oh, sorry, I'm buzzing here. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah, customers, so, man. Yeah, customers. So that that was that's <laughs> that might be a gig. What are you doing? So pick um, that up. It's not Sting. I'm not. If it's uh. not Sting, I'm not picking it up. I'm telling you that right now. Sting's the only guy I pick up for these days, um, and he hasn't called. So, um, but yeah. So I went. That's why I say I wouldn't call him a throwback. I'd say that was actually something that many people were back yeah, then. Yeah. 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 Yes. I love when people correct me on the show. I really do. Okay, good. good I really good. like that. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so, but uh, yeah, he he did as a young man, teenager, even taking yeah. an interest in this music. Yeah. That then His father was played this 30, kind of music. Yeah. Old and, yeah. Um, and then he and Steve Lacey also then went from that to be coming yeah, so, interested in the most forward-looking. Right. Well, they met Cecil, you know, and Archie Shep, and and Gill, and you know, they became part of that scene, you know. I mean, first, I guess, through Monk and Herbie. I'm not sure exactly how it all happened, but I think one of the things that all happened was it's social. It was their age. As they were hanging out with other guys their age, well, I'm not going to go there, but, you know, they were like, people were like, they were like pushing the boundaries socially. And I think what happened was, as we used to say in the 60s, doors were open, you know, mm-hmm. opening the doors of perception. Mm-hmm. I think as they started opening the doors of perception, they started to see some different ways to play music. And I, I would assume... You know, neither of them are here to ask him specifically, but I know from talking to those guys. Can I tell my great Steve Lacey story? Is it too early in the night? If not now, when? Okay. It's, it's only at 6.30, but i got to tell this story. So I'm on, like, one of my first tours of Europe. I'm with the Lounge Lizards in, in, in France, and we're playing in Montmartre, big place, because Lounge Lizards, you know, we would play always, you know, minimum 1,000 people. You know, so Elysee Montmartre in uh, Paris? Yeah. 
Montmartre. We call yeah. it. In the music Mont- business, Mart, yeah. In the music yeah, okay. business, we call it Montmartre. Yeah. And some, you know, and Lounge has always had a big, big audience. Yeah. And it's interesting what musicians came to see us because, like, not a lot of musicians did, but those that did were, like, the hip ones, man. Like, you know, like Threadgill would show up or Michael Brecker or, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Butch Morris would show up and then Sanborn would show up or Bowie would show up or, like, you know, but, like, a, there were some people that were into it. And so Steve Lacey shows up, man, in, in, in Paris. And, man, I'm, it's, like, only, like, my, you know, I've only been touring Europe for a couple of years, so I'm really just, like, man, star, you know, starstruck. Yeah. And he looks totally slick, of course, man, you know, like, super Parisian. I'm still, like, whatever. I haven't really figured <laughs> that part out. And I'm, like, and he was very complimentary because I would do a thing with a plunger mute. He said, man, that was... He sounded really great. I really enjoyed. It. You don't get to hear guys that play like that so much. He goes, he goes, man. You know, I played with some great trumpet players. And I said, yeah, man. I got, I got all that stuff with Don Cherry. He goes, man. I'm not talking about Don Cherry. He said, <laughs> I played with Rex Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Man, I'm not talking about Don Cherry. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Yeah, he played with Rex Stewart. Yeah, that's... And Roswell played with Edmund Hall. I mean, you know, they were like, got to work with those guys. And seemingly, and the two of them in this parallel path seem to have skipped bebop entirely. No, see, that's... But that's, that, that was the perception. Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. See, that's yes. the interesting perception. And the more I got to know Roswell and these guys, they didn't. They, I think they knew that their playing wasn't that kind of playing. But Monk is bebop. I mean, if there's only there's like the two compositions, the two poles of bebop are, well, three, you know, Monk and Bird and Dizzy. But so much of Bird stuff is on just changes to, to songs, to popular songs and his own melodies. While with Dizzy and Bird, it's more like, I mean, Dizzy and Monk, it's more like they have their own songs that are harmonic progressions of their own. And... You know, these guys really spent a couple years just dealing with Monk's compositions. And that is bebop. See, that's what I'm saying. There's these these perceptions that you have because it seems like that way when you listen to it. But when you really check out what's going on, they have learned the lessons of bebop, but they're not playing rhythmically and sonically like bebop or tempo-wise like bebop. Well, yeah. I mean, kind of shorthand to say they weren't part of the bebop thing as much as kind of uh, acolytes of Church of Monk. Absolutely. Sure. Right. But they learned Monk's music better than it. Like harmonically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they learned Monk's music as well as anybody. Yeah. Do you know what I'm Which saying? Which is really... Which well, is... I mean, the, they really went and learned Monk's voicings, both of them. Yeah. And Roswell could tell you all those songs, Monk's voicings. No that doubt. takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to figure that stuff out. And Monk songs were in the book for those guys... The yeah. rest of their days. They, right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so that's the story. But I, but, and then the interesting hearing Roswell as he got older, I heard more bird and more and more bird in his playing. And one of the last times, like, I guess it was his, his 80th birthday party at, at LPR and he was playing with Heather Mace. It was just um, guitar, bass, vocals, and, and trombone. And I was listening, I was next to Brian Dry and we're looking at each other. And we both said, it's like, damn, man, it sounds like bird. I mean, he was really, I mean, that was always in there. That stuff's very hard to 
navigate on a trombone. I mean, there are ways to navigate it. It's not like you can't. I mean, J.J. Johnson had a way to do it. Frank Rosalino had a way to do it. Jimmy Cleveland. There's ways to navigate that kind of music. But it's almost like as he got older, Rosalf, Jimmy never had a way to navigate it, found a way to navigate those sounds. And I was like, wow, man, check that out. Here he is, like 80 years old, now he's like playing Bird. Yeah. But in his own way. It still sounds yeah. like Roswell. But it, was, it didn't sound like what we just heard now. Hmm. Maybe that'll turn up in the archives one of these days. Yeah, we'll absolutely. get to do another show about that. Oh, yeah. But uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We call this show Deep Focus. Now you know why. Because we're talking. We're in it. We are in it. Yeah. You're in it with us. Stephen Bernstein is my guest. You will have an opportunity to hear him play more than one. Oh, right. Let's talk about this. I'll be at the Jazz Standard Thursday through Sunday. That's March 8th through 11th. And those dates, in case you're curious, between 8 and 11 is 9 and 10. So it's like 8, the next one literally is 9, 10, 11. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This week. Sets at 7.30 and 9.30, Jazz Mm -hmm. Standard. Mm -hmm. Thursday night, Sex Mob. This is our... Even though we've been together 20 years, played every major festival, Grammy nominated, won all those awards and whatnot, you know. Still kind of our first time doing like a kind of fancy jazz club that like has a good clean bathroom and everything like that. So it's a big deal for us. Yeah. And um, I've, though I've been playing for Jazz Standard for years, you know, with, with the Hot Nine and with Millennial Territory Orchestra. For, I think it's great. Because Sex Mob played at, a, at Dizzy's for Roswell's celebration. And we realized... Well, it was cool, man. We played Dizzy's and, like, the building didn't fall down or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, all the staff, no one had a – like, everyone was enjoying it. We realized, we could do this stuff, man, even though we're sex mob, you know. We're calling it Stephen Bernstein's sex mob for the jazz standard, so it sounds more jazzy. Mm. Sex mob's a little punk rock for them, I mm. think, still. It's hard to be punk rock when you get old. Good spot to come out to, though. Yeah. Spend an oh, anyway, evening. Thursday night, night with sex out. mob. Friday night, sex mob with John Medeski. Oh, it's yeah. always amazing. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night, Millennial Territory Orchestra. That's with um, Clark Gate. I mean, Clark's the second night, but Curtis Folks, Charlie Burnham, Peter Applebaum, Doug Wieselman, Eric Lawrence, Matt Munisteri, Ben Allison, Ben Prowski. That band's been together 18 years, and we have a large repertoire that goes from, you know, Benny Moten and Duke Ellington and Charles Mingus to, to the Grateful Dead and Eddie Harris and Sly and the Beatles and prints and whatnot and you know some songs i wrote and it's really a great band if you never heard it it's, it's a toe tapper mm-hmm. we, we, we will we, we that's a real toe oh, tap, yeah that's a toe tapping band you'll so, be cutting a rug oh yeah okay. now uh steve and i p- cover your ears for a minute okay. because i got to talk to the folks okay. if you like this radio program you should know you're not getting the full benefit of this music unless you're in the room when it happens. I'm not saying you have to go see Stephen Bernstein with any or really all of those great bands at the Jazz Standard this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but you owe it to yourself to be there with the music sometime. Do Do it for you sometime this week. Who knows? Maybe 50 years from now, Stephen Bernstein and I will be sitting here talking about, man, I wish I was in the room that night. That's where the magic is. Exactly. And you're not, it's not like going to a movie where you're watching it happen. You are part of the show. No, you're making it happen. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, people say, like, what's the difference between, what's, what is, like, why is it jazz music? And I always say, well, it's jazz music because having played lots of music 
pop music, rock music, in general, most of that music, once they have the song, it's pretty much the same every night. You're playing with a great band. You know, there might be a little... Some bands have no no changes. Some bands, they play the same every night. Some bands, it's always going to be the same structure, but a guy might play a dumb, different little eight-bar solo or drum fill. Sometimes it's the exact same drum fill. But with jazz, according to who the audience is and what the room feels like, that's just how we're going to play the song. And that's... Uh, that's why people like it. And that's you. That's, that's what us. you do. That's what they all. That's what the, yeah the audience does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we like them. We like them hooting and hollering. Back to the empty bottle. Yeah, let's do it, Roswell. Okay, so yeah, if you're just coming along, uh, you missed a lot of good music, but there's more ahead than what you've missed. So on the uh, bands, then we're we're really putting our focus on Roswell Rudd, but we're so happy to hear him in the company of Steve Lacey. And they are at a uh, terrific venue in Chicago called The Empty Bottle. It's March of the year 2000. Jean-Jacques Avenel on bass and John Betch on the drums. And uh, here, here, uh, here, here we go. We go? We ready? To go? Yeah. I got to tune up. Thank you. Now we're going to take a little voyage to Africa. Roswell has been in Mali recently, and when he came back, he was inspired to write this tune we're going to play. It's called Bamako.
This is WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD1. Maybe you're listening to WKCR.org. You could tell the folks all around the earth that um, we can be found online, lots of other places. Oh, on the internets. On the on the interwebs, tis true. Okay, so you go down the information superhighway. Take a left. Take a left. <laughs> at the stop sign, when you see the old dilapidated farmhouse, take a right, and there's WKCR. Yes. Yes, indeed. That is the voice of Stephen Bernstein. I'm so happy to have you in the studio Man, tonight. Good to hang out with you, Mitch, after all these years. You'd think, you'd think it would wear off. It doesn't. No, it hasn't worn off. <laughs> Not yet. I wish it did. <laughs> no. Mitch and I, you were on that whole Verve tour, right? I, I. Should we talk about that for a little second? <laughs> Can I stop you? Okay. <laughs> 1996, right? Early 96 so. or, late, or late 95. No, it was uh, it was winter. It was like Jan- it was like February, January, February. Probably in '96, February, March. Like so, that. Verve at the time had been purchased. That by. is a deep focus from March fifth, two thousand eighteen, a Monday night. Stephen Bernstein, my guest, Roswell Rudd, our topic. I knew Roswell Rudd and worked with him a bit, but Stephen knew him really, really well, and his. Love, that's the word, his love and and devotion to Roswell's ideas and his spirit is unshaken in this recording. So great to hear. All right, that's part one. There's three parts. There's two more waiting for you. You can find them probably in your pocket on our podcast, on your favorite podcasting app. And you can always find us on the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Dot com and like us up if you're on oh say uh, Apple podcast give us thumbs ups and likes and five stars and all that what that's gonna do is gonna float this up to the top in the search and help people who don't know about this podcast to find it we don't make any money from it we're not uh, charging anything I don't even know why I'm saying wait it's really just me but um it's uh, we want people to know about it. We've got people listening in over 40 countries. So help people find it by just giving us a, a like on there. You know what to do. OK. And, and we've got, by the way, there's over 160 episodes up now with more and more coming up every week. So I'm sure there's something there that you want to hear. So go ahead and subscribe. OK. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing great. 